everyone. Welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How are you doing, Sean? Hey, man. Is is this our final uh, episode of the season? This is the final episode of season two, or at least season two as broken down by uh, Amazon Prime and DVD, which is very helpful because yeah. season one is... Technically, 65 episodes long. So, yeah. uh, we'll get a nice break after this. Um, and we ended We ended on, a, I, I would have to assume, these are probably two episodes you like quite a bit, given that... You know... <laughs> well, before... <laughs> like okay. one of them quite a bit. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll, we'll leave it there and we'll jump into it. Uh, take a quick break and we'll be back with the mechanic. Mechanic, story by Steve Perry and Lauren Bright, teleplay by Randy Rogel, directed by Kevin Altieri, and in this one, thanks to a freak accident during a high-speed chase, the Batmobile is virtually demolished. After Batman takes the car to his personal mechanic, Earl Cooper, the Penguin makes his move and tampers with the Batmobile, putting it under his control. So, I mean, yeah, the hacky thing to say is this is probably Sean's favorite episode because it's all about cars. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I really want to like this episode, mm-hmm. but I have some issues with it. Um, the the short of it is, uh, I love the idea of Batman needing to have a secret mechanic to fix all of his Batmobiles. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the flashback of Earl. He was a whistleblower for safety regulations, and he got fired, and uh, he ran into Batman, and Batman came up to him and... With an old Batmobile that had the shield on the front, and yep. you know, it was pretty cool. And uh, he said that he needed a new car, and uh, Earl jumped at the challenge. Um, I I like this episode, but there's so many things I there's so many there's a few things I want to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you? What are your first impressions? Uh, this is one that I remember very clearly from when it was on TV, and yeah. uh, I was trying to figure out why because so many of them run together. But this was always when I think about Batman the animated series, this one always pops up, right? And I think part of what it is is uh, as I've talked about on our Star Trek podcast, um, I'm a sucker for um, old and alternate costumes and uh, uniform oh, yeah. uniforms and uh, vehicles yeah. and stuff. And you so, get that a lot here. Yeah. So when you get the flashbacks and you see the old-style Batman costume and the old-style Batmobile, I can mm-hmm. see why that would stick out in my mind. Um, yeah. I like the flash. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool idea, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's... I guess it's not really... Th- they they managed to get shockingly little story out of it. Um, right. Because, yeah, there's not a lot going on, honestly, yeah. in the A-plot. The thing, the thing about the, the, the mechanic is it makes a lot of sense. Like, it makes way more sense for Batman to have a specialized mechanic who works on the Batmobile mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, cutting to Alfred with a wrench, um, which is what they <laughs> usually do, it seems. Right. Um, but it, it brings up so many more questions about, right. you know, where this place is, uh, whether or not this guy is on retainer. I mean, these are, these are not questions for a child's television show. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it just sort of, so my, here, here's my, the best I can do to describe it is, uh, I wish that the flashback stuff was the entire episode. 
I sure. if you're gonna go this this route uh, and have this secret mechanic who is on retainer, then I think like we need to know more. And I'd like to know how his daughter's involved and have some emotional stakes mm-hmm. set up. Yeah, because the uh, the rest of the episode is pretty silly. It's a pretty blase episode of uh penguin taking over the batmobile and batman has to, to you know yeah which survive is, or whatever which is a something that's taken right out of batman totally. returns and b right. i isn't wasn't the last not the last one wasn't the first penguin episode very batmobile focused um uh, so i think when he's in the kid's basement yeah yeah so batman uh the kids find the batmobile and batman asks them to find some pills in the visor but uh Penguin didn't like hijack his car. Or anything. Okay, I, I thought there was some sort of a, like attack focused on the Batmobile, but I, I, either way, this one yeah. is just lifted straight from Batman Returns. Right, it makes you question, like, so for the with Batman Returns, like when they were coming up with ideas, they thought, well, let's take this Penguin hijacks the Batmobile idea even further and see what happens. Did this? I would have to assume this came out after the movie, right? Oh yeah, this whole series yeah. came out. I mean, they brought Bruce Tim on set to draw Danny DeVito as oh, right, their right. version of Penguin. So yeah, this is all post Batman Returns. Yeah, and the uh, the flashback. It's probably one of the more clumsily and ham fisted, ham fistedly inserted flashbacks <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, because they yeah. <laughs> Penguin's like, uh, I think he asks him, well, "How did you get in, in? How did you get involved with Batman in the first place?" And, and right. he's like, "Well." Everybody take a seat because this is going to take a minute. And he just tells the story, and they cut back more than once to the right. goons just watching him tell this story. Yeah, it's, it's so weird, man. Yeah, it's not the most gracefully executed no. idea. And when when the flashback started, I, I began to make a note on my phone. I'm like, okay, I don't think we need this flashback at all. It's, it's pretty unnecessary. But when you get to see the old Bat costume and the old Batmobile, mm-hmm. that's when it started to hold its weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, but I, again, I I, lo- I love the flashback stuff when you get to see the old stuff. My favorite episode of the Ghostbusters cartoon was the episode <laughs> that is, um, it's a direct, it happens directly after the events of the movie, so you get to see mm-hmm. them in their movie costumes, which I always thought was oh, great. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I do wish it was a, a more cohesive story. Like, if you, right. even, even if you, if they did sort of like, the flashback as a flashback at the beginning and then did a, you know, five years later card or something and then kick right. into the story, you know? Yeah, so, that would work. I, I think that there's no, the reason this episode comes across as silly, there's no emotional stakes. Yes. And I think that Batman works better when there's some kind of emotional stakes. So I'd say, all right, you get this mechanic, you give his daughter, I mean, he, uh, she's being held hostage, but you really don't care about it. It doesn't feel, it doesn't have any weight. To, to me when they when they did that you know yeah there's no real um i feel like you need to set up better batman's attach uh, or not batman's attachment to this guy but but this guy's attachment to batman so mm-hmm. you know like because he uh what do, what happens in the flash does he actively save the guy yeah he saves the guy from getting beat up but mm-hmm. and i guess he kind of gives him a job but there's no real uh implication that him being brought on as batman's mechanic like saved his right. house from being taken away right. or anything like that like it, there needs to be a, a bit more of of why he cares about batman so much that batman being in danger is is a big deal for him right yeah like if batman had saved his daughter when she was very young or something and 
Or maybe Batman was dri- had problems with the Batmobile and broke down in front of this guy right on during a police chase. And the guy was a mechanic and he was able to say, you know, pop the hood and he fixed the Batmobile on the spot, mm-hmm. helping Batman out. Um, something like that, you know. It, it's just missing something. This whole yeah. this whole episode. Yeah, and it's uh, a lot of car chases though. It's like probably seventy <laughs> percent car chase. And they didn't even get a good animation team to do the damn car chases. Yeah, I thought the one at the beginning was okay. It had some cool shots, but uh, but yeah, yeah, they end up on a um, uh, airport. What's the word? Uh, yeah. Tarmac runway. runway. Yeah, that just <laughs> it's a runway path that leads to a brick wall. Apparently, <laughs> I know. Why would they have designed an airport that way? Yeah, and the lights, <laughs> the lights on the on the ground that the airplanes follow lead into <laughs> a brick wall. Yeah, please don't let the plane drift too far because you don't want to hit that, yeah, that brick like, wall. It's very much a uh, Warner Brothers airport because it feels like the Looney Tunes designed it. It, it totally is, yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, I, overall, I thought the animation in this was really bad and choppy, and mm-hmm. I thought the editing was, was kind of strange. Like I felt like scenes should have been cut quicker, transitions could have been smoother. It's just not as uh, uh, streamlined as every other episode. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it 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 takes a while to get going too. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why Robin's here. Complete waste of Robin, really. Oh yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's there, and he's just kind of like, <laughs> well, this is kind of strange. Um, right. <laughs> he doesn't really add much to the story. Uh, even yeah, it's just so clunky across the board. Like even the way the Batmobile gets damaged is really clunky. Like yeah, it, that's the. He sees the bridge closing, and there's this long shot of him driving. It's like, hello, hit the brake. You're going to slam into it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just seems like Batman would have seen the bridge coming down and known to stop before it damaged the car, you know? Yeah. Or it's – why not pick a different mechanism for that to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just – yeah, it's it's a very – strange clunky mechanism and then the 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 penguin guys end up jumping onto a boat uh that goes somewhere (laughs) i don't know how they get the the car off the boat um yeah it's just it's just real clunky i I also wish that the uh mechanic had a fleet of batmobiles and batman could just jump into the next one that sort of makes more sense to me that there'd be more than one car yeah it does make more sense well he's got the he's got the loners which are just two motorcycles it's true yeah (laughs) And I got to say, like, Earl quotes him uh, about a week for, I'm guessing, $100,000 of body damage. I was going to say, new chassis. Did, did having this built one, a car myself. Did this, one hit, you, did this one hit you, like, <laughs> really deep with, with having to bring your car in, uh, your high-level high car to have high-level <laughs> damage or, or replacements done? I know. I need an Earl, honestly. I'm like, wow, one week for all that? That's amazing. But there's no way that one person and his daughter, two people, are going to be able to do that. Even you throw all the money in the world. It takes you more than a week to get parts, honestly, once you order them. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I can't believe it for a second. <laughs> uh, the other thing um, that I thought was funny is that the, 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 the lesson learned at the end of this is if you're going to order parts for a clandestine operation, don't order them all at the same time. Yeah. Kind of a no-brainer, but hey, he he learned from his mistake this time, I guess. Yeah, I I thought as soon as they did that um, and they tracked it back, I was like, that's why they do it in Batman Begins. They make it a point of having him be like, yeah, we have to order these from 500 different places so nobody knows what's going on. (laughs) Basically, yeah. The Um, the one thing that I did notice, uh, because we've talked about it before, is um, 
this this version of the Batmobile actually doesn't look great from every angle. No. Um, they used an angle I don't think they've ever really used before, which is like from above and slightly behind. So you get to see mm-hmm. the, the ass of the car and the, and the fire, uh, the jet, but you also yeah. get to see the length of it. I actually thought that angle looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, there's some creative liberty that they took to make it work in some of the shots. But um, yeah, there's some of the overhead shots and I, th- I thought were a little bit clunky. It's not an easy shape to draw, honestly. I mean, there's nothing on the car. It's You really have to make sure you get the swish and the swoop right on the the rear wheel wells and all that stuff for it yeah. to work, you know? Like, um, when I drew a whole fleet of these things, like, this, the animated series one was the hardest because, like, you have to get the basics of it correct or the whole thing's going to fall apart. Whereas if you're drawing the tumbler, you have a lot of leeway in how much detail you can throw in, and it's very forgiving. Right, right. But the TAS Batmobile, I, I don't find very forgiving at all. Yeah, the tumbler is just, I mean, it's not, I, I don't say this to, to mean that it's easier to draw, but it's it's like a right. big, you know, it's a com- mess. complex <laughs> mess of a turtle shell kind of thing, you know? Exactly, yeah. As long as you get the four wheels right on the rear and the front uh, the windows. forks, you're pretty much good to go. Yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, um, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, about the simpler one actually being the harder one to draw because it's so simple and because it's so meticulously, uh, measured out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If you try to draw it in perspective and you make the ass end too large or too small then the front's not going to look right. And I, I found that I really had to measure very carefully when I drew the TAS Batmobile and really figure out where. To put the camera to make it look good mm-hmm. because, like I said before, it doesn't look good in certain shots. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, I I always I I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've tried to draw that car, but <laughs> I've always noticed that the wheel spacing is really difficult on that one because yeah. it is such an awkward yeah. length. It, it is. It looks good in a, a concept art. Like I could see why they would approve it. Actually, I think um. When they hired one of the animators or concept designers for this, um, he had submitted two different designs for this Batmobile. And it was basically this split in half. So the ass end was like what we see here, but the front was completely different. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa. And Warner Brothers grabbed these two and said, use the front of this picture and the back of this picture and put it together. And that's our Batmobile. Wow. That's actually really impressive that they did that. <laughs> yeah. And the guy got hired. I, was it Darwin Cook? I don't know if it was him. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I don't, I don't even know where I heard that story. So yeah. if anybody has any idea, please put it in the comment <laughs> section. I can't remember where I read it. Do you? Uh, which one do you find the hardest to draw? Is it this one? Yeah. Yeah. Hardest, most boring. Um, I, my second least favorite is the Adam West because I just don't think that's a great design. I know it has a warm place in a lot of readers' hearts. <laughs> Now that's oh. that's interesting to me because I, I I feel like the I feel like the the eighty nine Batmobile would be very difficult to draw because because the, there's so many uh, swooping curve like really pronounced curves that if you kind of overdo it it's not going to work right and if you underdo it it's not going to work right right yeah when I draw the eighty nine I have a small matchbox it's actually right next to me mm-hmm. and I'll take a photo of it on my phone and make sure the glare on the forks is just right so. Yeah, you. it is complicated. It is more complicated than TAS, but because there's more details on it, you can kind of have some fun with scribbling and hide some of the mistakes sure, that way. Sure, sure. But, uh, and there's so many 
high contrast bright spots and dark spots on it that it's um I don't know it's just more forgiving and uh, the TAS is so simple it's like a blue brick yeah. with you know wings sticking straight out the back I mean there isn't a whole lot of um you know one either one side is lit and one side is not I mean, there's not a whole lot of shininess and detail uh, to really have fun with you know yeah you're looking at long spans of nothing metal happening you know <laughs> how do you feel about the uh uh Zack Snyder Batmobile uh i uh i like parts of it but i i mean i don't think batman should have guns uh mm-hmm. so pronounced on his car cuz he's just not a gun guy yeah they need to um, be hidden inside the car like in the 89 one yeah i know <laughs> and i know i'm splitting hairs here on the morality no, I, I know batman what you mean there's guns. having guns in- <laughs> Having guns mounted to the front of it and having guns hidden inside are very different. Yeah, yeah. The 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 I like this design because the back of it had like these like like strapped back fly wings on it. Um, it was a nice design element. I, I'm not sure how to describe it really. Um, I, I love the wide wheel wells, the base, and, and the sort of RC car style design mm-hmm. that it was going off of. I don't think you need gun turrets over the front wheels. I think that's just too much. But honestly, my biggest beef with that design was the way they shot it. Like, you could not fucking get a good look at it yeah, at all. Yeah. And you, uh, I know I said this before, but in 89, when Batman and Vicki Vale are running out of the restaurant, and she's like, he's like, get in the car. And she's like, which one? You have a very clear shot of the, Batmo- the yes, 89 Batmobile. Yeah. And it's like, yes. So now that your brain knows what you're looking at, you can go to all these crazy angles and not miss a beat. But in the um, most recent Batmo- Batman movies, like, this thing just comes streaking out of a shadowy alley or a dumpster or something and you never know what the hell you're looking at and i know that they think that that's what's so cool about it but mm-hmm. to me that just fucking bothers me yeah <laughs> and it's got to kill the concept artist he's like dude i spent so much time on this you can't even see it yeah i've definitely well, we've definitely talked about that before um <laughs> i was yeah i was gonna say do you feel like this design is a victim of the modern trend to over design things yeah, yeah um so i feel like modern car design is they it used to be that you would grab a block of clay and smooth it out and you would sort of work it and you would have like a good three-dimensional three, three idea of what you want the car, the body to look like. Mm-hmm. And then you would run it through a wind tunnel and then you would make adjustments. Now they're designed in computers. So you, these brand new Lamborghini Aventadors or whatever they're called, they look like stealth bombers. There's so many jagged angles and it looks like a car designed by a computer because mm-hmm. it's just... The design is everywhere. Like, you don't know where you're supposed to look. Um, and, of course, a computer can tell you how to make the fenders jagged and how to push the airflow around the wheels. Like, But the, yeah, I think you lose something because you have, like, a car designed by a computer committee rather than designed by a guy with a block of wood who actually yeah. knows what works, you know? Yeah. So I feel like when you look at the cars in the 60s and 70s, like, you get some of the best designs because the designs aren't overdone. They're not all over the place, you know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of the new supercars and um, uh, hypercars coming out. It's like it's amazing, but I don't know where my eyes are supposed to settle. Right, and I think that the uh, Batmobile we're talking about has that problem too, because it's just like it's like a kid with a Lego set just jammed a bunch of shit together, and he's like, "Look, Batmobile," you know, right? right. <laughs> like they forgot to put negative. Sp- uh, they forgot to tone it down, so you need like clean detail, so yeah. you're not overwhelming the eye all the time. Yeah, and you know that that's something that that I and or we I, I mean I can't remember what we've talked about this uh, have talked about before, and that the it feels like the modern trend in designing stuff is so. I I, I kind of I blame HD to a certain extent 
because right. it was like once everything got super high definition and computer image uh, computer creations got so complex and so good yeah it seems like they realized that oh we'll i mean we could if we're doing transformers we could just have mm-hmm. every single little piece of clockwork <laughs> moving at once right and like this make this really complicated thing and it's like right. okay cool i mean that looks fantastic on a computer void but right. if you're putting something that busy into an already busy image or a moving yeah. image especially a lot of that stuff right. is going to get lost especially when you light it and stuff i mean it's it's uh it's kind of like what we talked about when when you were designing your batman costume it's like what what do I do with the legs? Well, I mean, how how often are the people actually going to see the legs? Not very often. Yeah. Okay, then don't worry about it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Transformer thing, I remember saying years ago, when these Transformers are fighting in these Michael Bay movies, it looks like two giant piles of garbage punching each other yeah. as yeah. they're like cascading over the 405 in California. And like, I don't know what a fist is. I don't know where the head heads are, the feet. Like, what am I looking at? And, you know, it's I can see why... When you're shooting the movie and you have a Transformer step into the frame, I can see why it's cool and tempting to want to draw all the gears inside his calf muscles Mm -hmm, or whatever, mm -hmm. all the tubes and all the blinking lights. And if you hit pause and you show it to Michael Bay, like, look, isn't that image awesome? Yes, that still image is awesome. But keep in mind that this has to be easy to read, too, and not overwhelming. And I feel like they, design-wise, from my taste anyway, they completely blew it. And it was that's why it was so nice when Bumblebee came out because yeah. they they went back to like the eighties sort of um uh aesthetic of you know his chest is a Volkswagen beetle. Yep. Very easy to spot. Even as he runs by the camera, yep. you can quickly go, Oh, that's his chest and you know where his body parts are. And like right. that's a big deal when you're storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not to yeah, put- I could rant about this all day, so <laughs> feel free we, to stop me. Yeah, we have. We've talked about this uh, on on mic and off very often. And I hope, it, <laughs> and I, I just hope we don't just sound like two old guys talking about how oh it looks so great before. I feel like it is a yeah, it is a design aesthetic thing. It's not just like what we're used to or oh we're too old to understand how CGI works anymore. Right, I right. I I believe I would like to believe it is a matter yeah. of you know what design feels like it works versus stuff that just goes too far yeah i i think and and i always use this as an (laughs) to make a point Uh if aliens landed and they were asking then you showed them a bunch of you know die cast models of every batmobile Mm -hmm. i think that they would settle on the best looking ones similar to what you and i probably like Mm -hmm. i -hmm. feel like there's it's not just opinion i think that there is academic reasons why the 89 Batmobile works better than the, the animated series. And, like, for example, I have way more love for the animated series than I do for Burton. No, I love mm-hmm. Burton, too, but I would rather, you know, on my tombstone have every episode of TAS playing rather than <laughs> playing 89 over and over again. But I think the 89 Batmobile looks way better than TAS. So yeah. my love for animated series is not fooling me into thinking that the animated series car is that great because yeah. I think it's a little bit lacking. Well, not to put you on the spot, I was thinking we were, we would do this as a separate episode, but we're talking about it. We're now. kind of already into yeah. it, though. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we already know that you love the '89 uh, Batmobile because you're a smart person with good taste, and uh, um, and great friends, by the way, yes. very attractive friends too. <laughs> oh, oh well. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you don't really like the '66 Batmobile, do you? Because you what, you think it's just a boring design. 
Yeah, it looks like they grabbed a car and just stuck some things on it. And it worked for the 60s, and I can see why it has a warm place in people's hearts. But um, I, I like drawing it in the same way I like drawing Lincoln Cadillacs, where you're drawing sure. a very long brick that takes up two parking spots. And there is something really long and slick about it. But um, the bubble cockpit thing and the weird um, dome that kind of comes in between them yeah. and uh, the the pipe sticking straight out the back, eh, it's, a, it's a little lazy if you're going to be a car snob yeah. about it. For me, design-wise, th- I've always enjoyed that. You know, I think I enjoy it more for nostalgic reasons for right. than actual practicality. But looking at it now, the things that I don't like about it, it's too high off the ground because it does feel mm-hmm. like they just took a car and did whatever. And also, yeah. I just don't like the idea of the Batmobile being a T-top. Yeah. Because I like having Batman and Robin exposed to the air so people can see them feels yeah. very strange. It feels very it's literally very exposed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. That's now, a good point. what about uh how do you feel about the Batman Forever Batmobile? Cuz I when that movie came out, <laughs> I absolutely hated that car. Because uh-huh. I was such a diehard uh, uh, Burton Batman fan. I love that right. car so much. When they redesigned it and brought out the, the, the Batman Forever Batmobile, I just was, like, mortified. Hold on. I'm looking it up right now. You may as well pull up the, the Batman lit. and Robin one, too, because I'm going to ask you about that next. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's again, I don't know where to look. Well, it's actually a much simpler design. Like, you can look at I can glance at, glance at this and get it. It's not that complicated. Um, so I think like on screen, this Batmobile would actually read better than the Zack Snyder one, if mm-hmm. I'm honest. But this one's also pretty close to the 89 in that it looks like generation two or three mm-hmm. of, you know, how it evolved. I mean, I think it's terrible, but I think it is at least legible. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. But Batman the, um, felt like he needed to put a sweet mohawk on the top of it. Yeah. I mean, the glowing on the inside, like, isn't he supposed to be in shadows and hard to see? I and mean, this thing stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah. And uh, as far as the wings shooting up the top, I mean, what about driving in narrow tunnels of clearance? <laughs> Jesus Christ, what yeah. the fuck is that thing for? Yeah. <laughs> well, it also opens up into a V like bat wings, which is uh, a, f- a feature, I guess. Oh, that's good. Yeah. What exactly is that for? I don't know. Yeah. I. Exactly. You know, the... I thought that for for as much as um, the Burton movies feel like they're on sets and feel at, at times feel like, oh, you're watching a, a movie car drive down the set of a movie studio. Right. I always thought that this car looks, stands out way more like a movie prop. Like those wheels, yeah. those wheels are ridiculous with yeah. the, uh, with the, the bat, the big glowing bats on them and like the weird right. kind of indented i don't even know what you would call that around them it just it just yeah. feels like it feels like a toy design it does it totally yeah and there, even the rims like this the bat symbols on the rims don't spin so they're right. weighted down like spinner rims basically right for basically no reason at all the the I mean, one saving grace for this car for me that i realized much later and now that i'm reassessing it i don't think it really helps um <laughs> is i feel like it actually kind of feels like the older sort of like 30s look where it's more mm-hmm. of like that old coupe style instead of the, the big yeah, muscular so, car. Yeah, so it has a it's not a monocoque design. It's like a uh, 60s F1 style car where the wheels are outside well, the I mean, body. If you look at it, it, it does look like a monocoque. 
<laughs> I should have known that you wouldn't that you wouldn't hey, <laughs> know how to respond to that can't, word. <laughs> can't pass up a joke when it's laid in front of you like that. A big black monocoque. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that joke is done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what uh, I guess I've been trying to find something really nice to say about it. I. You know what? I don't, it kind of looks like a PT Cruiser. It does. Yeah, P- it does with the, the separated wheels in the front. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which doesn't um, make it cool. <laughs> like if you sh- if you got rid of the Mohawk, if you shrunk down the tail, the bat spikes or whatever on yeah. the rear fender. I was just thinking the you, exact same thing. Like complicated up the rest of the design a bit, but just kept the shape. I think you'd be in, I think you'd be good on this design. I think it could still work, but. They also like the, the pattern that they use on the body of the car is like this like weird rib spiderweb type yeah. theme, which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, like like functionality doesn't make sense because I don't. Oh I, yeah, it's that's, like it, that's clearly <laughs> it's uh, it's leaving you open for all sorts of gunfire. Uh huh. Um, all right, so let's move on to Batman and Robin. Yeah, so Batman and Robin, how do you feel about that one? Because when I I remember Deal. Batman and Robin when I saw it. The thing that I loved about it was it was like they, they it was like they realized what they did wrong and then they said, Well, what if we just make it look more like the Burton Batmobile? Oh my god, this thing looks like a slipper. Yeah, it's terrible. I've gone back and I've looked at it since and I'm like, ooh. Oh my god. It's uh it's not great. Um but okay, I liked so... it because it had that big front like the old one. But that one this one also it's a it's a convertible. Yeah, it's a single seater car. It's like a go kart, basically. Yeah. I don't think two people can get in this thing from what I'm seeing. Actually, now that I'm looking at it again, it's not that far off design-wise from the Batman Forever one. Yeah, it's well, it's it's pretty close. What they did is uh so you know how the wheels were outside the monocoque design? Yeah. <laughs> now they're included in the body of the car itself. Yeah. Um the shape is pretty similar to the basic shape of the 89 Batmobile mm-hmm. as far as like the the rear is wide, the front is long, it's swooping. It does a smooth tilt towards the headlights. Um, yeah, I think it... I can see why they thought this was better, but just no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they need to bring in car designers to do these things, yeah. not artists who don't fucking care about cars. This is what drives me nuts is... I mean, most artists don't get paid enough ever to have a nice car in the first place, so I don't know (laughs) what we're really expecting out of these people. (laughs) You know, it's also weird that in a movie called Batman and Robin, the Batmobile is a one-seater. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, man. So, you know, I'm looking at the uh, Adam West one, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this one looks better than any of the Schumacher Batmobiles. Oh, I agree. Yes. Yeah. And now, you know, I think it's even slightly better than the TAS from certain angles yeah because there is some nice shapes going on with this car maybe i spoke too soon about it i'm looking i'm looking at a a a profile view of the batman and robin one and it Mm -hmm. it looks like it's it looks like it's so close to being a good design like it's got some elements of of like a uh art deco kind of one of those cars from like the 20s and 30s but just jacked way up to infinity and then it's got these gigantic bat wings on the set on the back of it Right. That just feel completely superfluous. Right. If they had, again, if they had shrunk those down and made them a little bit more functional, I think they could have probably saved it. But, yeah, it's it's so weird. And it right. also, again, it has exposed in, insides that glow, which, whatever. <laughs> so, which, so I'm looking at, I don't play Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, so Batman Arkham Knight. There's a Batmobile that has split front wheels like mine and has guns within the split front wheels. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you play these games at all. Do you? Uh, Yes. I haven't played Arkham Knight that extensively, but I have played it, yes. And I have played the Batmobile before, yeah. Yeah, this is like... It's built on a tank chat. The idea is that it's a tank. It's Mm -hmm. not trying to be a car at all, which is fine, because that's what the Tumblr is. Um, And it is cool looking... I don't know. It has a lot of guns, and it has a flaw, the flaw of there's so much to look at. I don't know where my eyes are supposed to go. Yeah, and it does uh, in the game. It does have a lot of interesting functionality to it. Like the, uh, if I remember yeah. correctly, like the the wheels kind of push the body up, and it can move in four directions, sort of. Oh, cool. Uh, for certain That's levels cool. of the game, where you have to like get you know do certain tasks and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I I remember thinking that the Batmobile it, for this was a nice. I, I liked it more than the uh, Snyder Batmobile. It seems a little bit more cohesive. It seems like a cr- yeah. it's like a post Tumblr Batmobile, uh, yeah. but it's not quite as far off as as the uh, the Snyder one is. Right. You know what's what's great about the Tumblr is um, I feel like good car design has three elements, and when you start adding more than three, it starts to get too jumbled. Mm-hmm. So I look at this the 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 Nolan Batmobile. I see four huge tires on the rear. So you always know if that thing is coming or going if you're watching this thing in action. Yep. It's super helpful and easier to draw, <laughs> assuming you know how to work with ellipses. And then you have the front forks, which um, it's you, it, especially when the bat pod pops out of one at some point. I feel like we get enough angles of the tumbler to know generally that the front forks have these wheels that, like there are no bumpers. The tires themselves are the bumpers right. if this car ever hits a wall, basically. And then the third element would just be like this craziness in between all the tires, basically. Um, and I think it, I mean, I don't love, if my preferred Batmobile is not the Nolan one, but design-wise, I think it works very well for a lot of good reasons. Yeah. And practically speaking, it looks like something Batman would actually have. And I bet that, I'll, so I'll bet that Nolan came up with some sketches and came up with a basic shape and then he gave it to actual car designers to figure it out because they actually built the thing from scratch. They didn't use a chassis from another vehicle. Like, it's all custom. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, wow. that's, that's actually pretty But impressive. I would not be surprised if he actually had car people work on it, not just a concept artist. Yeah. Because when I was hanging out with uh, Nolan, he had... Um, Name drop. <coughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're waiting for it. He had his original um, model, I guess he built, of what he wanted the bat pod to look like. And oh, it was cool. made out of, like, you know, kit bashing and, you know, pieces of wood. Like, it didn't, it wasn't finished at all, right, but right. the basic shape was basically there. So I could imagine that he gave that to a designer and they sort of streamlined it a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, uh, and I mean, it's it's a complicated machine, too, like, the, to actually drive it. Like, is, aren't the tires independently motored or something like that? And they work on computers because they Probably, there's no yeah. uh, axle. Is that the yeah, yeah. Right. axle to to control them? So they work independently, right? Yeah, I think that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, you might need an engine or at least um, a tr- uh, some some way to transfer the torque. Where is the turning? Where is the engine? How is the engine connected to the wheels? Is the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I remember hearing when the when the bat pod when they built that that was very difficult for the same reasons because the wheels were independent of each other. So they needed oh, to have right. computers to sync them up, and if they if one of the computers was off, then the thing just like wouldn't wouldn't right. ride right. Yeah. yeah, they make some hypercars have that where there's basically two engines, and um, yeah, it seems crazy complicated. And honestly, like when it when it goes wrong, I wouldn't want to be inside of yes, one or yes. pay to fix it because I'm sure it's not cheap to fix. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, let's engage in a quick bit of speculation since we're here. Uh, sure. The new Batman movie that's coming out, I don't know when, the The Batman mm-hmm. with uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman and uh, I can't remember who else they've cast in that. Um, do we think there's going to be a Batmobile? Because it is. it does seem to be sort of like an Arkham Asylum type thing because there's going to be a lot of villains in it, it looks like. Right. Uh, and what kind of Batmobile do you think it'll be? Do you think it'll be going down the same route or do you think uh, mm. with the more complex technical ones or do you think they might swing back the other way since they're trying to make a hard break from the other stuff? Ooh. Is there a, a, I know there's no trailer, but are there photos nothing. or something that I missed? Nope, nothing. Okay. Um, this is pure speculation. The, the best, I mean, if they didn't the put best a YouTube in content it, there is, pure speculation. I feel like if there's no Batmobile in it, that's a giant mistake. Yeah. Um, if he's just... Is this a uh, origin story for Batman? Is it like Batman Year One or something? Uh, unclear. No. So if they go with like uh, like this cartoon, the episode we just watched, mm-hmm. maybe he has a Batmobile he kind of built himself, and maybe by the end of the movie he gets like a real Batmobile mm-hmm. finally or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. So like the last shot is like the next Batmobile or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I would... I would be inclined to think that they might swing it back the other way and do something a little bit more grounded. Um, But you never know, because with these movies, you got a lot of forces pushing you in certain directions, and they need new toys and stuff, so you never know. Hey, you never know. Maybe it'll look uh, surprisingly like the White Knight Batmobile. I hope so, man. And you won't won't know until you see it in the movie. Yeah, the lack of paychecks, I'm sure, will reflect that. Yes. yeah, the um, they made a toy out of the White Knight Batmobile. It's um, it's well, it's based on mine, and it actually is like an eighty dollar toy that's apparently huge, and it turns into something else, like it's RC. Oh, cool! Of some kind. Yeah, I haven't actually seen one. Uh, I've been getting a lot of photos from readers who are like, "Isn't this your design?" Oh, but, yeah. yeah no, I, think I don't I have get. Seen I don't that, get a actually, penny. Yeah. I don't get a penny of that stuff. I mean, it's not my Batmobile. It's just sort of like take some of the design right. cues. And right. It does what it is. What it is. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So. Um, Go ahead. Pulling it back to the episode, since obviously we were both Please. enamored by it to the point that we talked about movies for 20 minutes. <laughs> so what would you want to draw in this one? Uh, this one, what would I want to draw in this? I think I'm going to I'm gonna be cheap and say I would like to draw the flashback because mm-hmm. I would like to, uh, I, would, I, would, I would enjoy getting to play with uh, what the, the old version of Batman's costume looks like, you know, uh, mm-hmm pulling for do i pull from the original batman costume which had like the purple gloves the purple short purple gloves and the weird wings and the weird helmet right. and stuff or cowl <laughs> i think there's a lot of that you can have a lot of fun with that stuff especially if you i mean in this situation i've been drawing 45 issues of batman the same way for the whole time so i want to have a little fun right Yourself? i would draw my my quick answer is i want to draw uh earl working on the Batmobile. Yeah. But I want to draw a bunch of other shit there as well. Um, and really give him um, almost like another Bat bat Cave type place where Bruce can go and access extra cars if he needs them or whatever, you know? Sure. Yeah. But, you know, the the long answer is I want to draw, I want to draw this whole thing. Yeah. I almost want to do a one-shot of this episode but fix all the things that we're talking about. Right. Um, like, I would have it so that he and Batman meet in a different kind of way. I would explain... His, the relationship with his daughter and how they're able to do like there's so many great questions that I think they're worth exploring um, especially in the White Knight universe where I try to ground everything and explain 
with real legal reasons in the real, real world, how this might actually happen. Mm. And uh, I think there's a lot for me to chew on with just sort of the, the holes in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, but, I think yeah, that for, would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think the episode gets a two or a three, honestly. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I think it's a, th- I think it's a three. I, th- I, mm. yeah. oh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that my three is a nostalgic three. Cause I, uh, it is one where I like, oh, I like this stuff. That's kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with a three because I think it's a it's a it's a two of an episode with a three of an idea. Let's put it that way. No, it's a two, that's a good. Yeah, it's a two of an episode with a four of an idea, but it's right. not executed super well. So it ends up somewhere in the three range. <laughs> that is a very complicated way. Put okay. that on a spreadsheet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess we have our answer, folks. Yes. Uh, so that's going to uh, do it for the mechanic. Take a quick break, and we'll be back with Harley and Ivy. All right. Harley and Ivy, written by Paul Dini, directed by Boyd Kirkland. And in this one, when the Joker fires Harley, she tries going on a crime spree of her own, joining up with Poison Ivy, and the two become Gotham's queens of crime, much to the Joker's fury. Hmm. Um, I think this is a really brilliant episode uh-huh. in that uh, I was really impressed at how how much of a... Exp- this is going to sound really douchey how much of an exploration of an abusive relationship they get into in a kid's show. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, yeah, part of it is, um, you know, Harley and Ivy having fun doing like the Thelma and Louise thing and walking around the house with no pants on for some reason. Like exclusively (laughs) no pants at at, at Ivy's house for some reason. I'm not sure why. It's Um, so hot though. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But like everything involving Harley and the Joker is so dark he's he's not nice to her even like facetiously nice to her or or uh, mm-hmm. insincerely nice to her the entire episode and she's yeah. doing all of this like um abusive relationship stuff where she gets yeah. thrown out and then she's trying to get one over on him but she's still calling him to let him know that she's okay and where yeah, she yeah. is and hiding the fact that she's talking to him from ivy who's trying to convince her that this guy is abusive and dangerous. And then right. even at the yeah. end, it ends with Joker being like, women are the worst next time, no women. <laughs> and Harley's like, oh, I think we'll be able to work it out. And Ivy just throws a clump of dirt in her face. It's it's very yeah. sneaky in how it, it, it tells a very dark story through kind of uh, uh, through the, the lens of a kid show. Yeah. Is this the first episode that really talks about the abuse? Yes. Yeah, this is the first this is the first episode where Harley is is in it for more than like five minutes. Okay, that's what I, I thought. Yeah, they, they, they you can tell that they really thought up a lot of this stuff through. Um, I do have a, a, some small quibbles with the episode, but overall, I I really loved it. I loved the uh, girls' night out type vibe mm-hmm. where they're sticking it to all the men in the city, and um, you know, it's different versions of feminism at play. I know it's just a kids' show, but I, it's interesting. But one of the things I was wondering about was um, when did Ivy become uh, uh, like 
feminists. Like I know she's into plants and all that stuff too, but when when did they decide to make her like a very strong feminist type character? Uh most likely when this episode came out. I don't I don't think so, <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's ever been her bag in the comics. I, I I'm not super sure, but I feel it right. feels to me like it's a creation of of the show. Right. And then my second question is is she a lesbian uh in continuity? Um I believe in, in now canon? she might be. If okay. not lesbian, she might be bisexual. Let me see if I can find because out. Because they had the Harley Ivy thing uh, for a while in comics. It's like a, I mean, Harley's in love with Joker. She's not in, like in love in love with Ivy. But my guess is she loves Ivy. She likes her like a really tight friend, and they might have hooked up. I think in the comics they have established they that they are in some sort of romantic relationship. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if and I know. Think in a 1992 cartoon, they're going to have a character come out and say, I'm a lesbian and here, no. <laughs> here's why I'm different. They did like five but, seasons of Xena Warrior Princess and they never said that. So, Yeah. But I almost wish, um, because as much as I love this episode, there's no reason, no, no one introduces the idea of why this has to be a girls versus boys theme. I like that it's girls versus boys theme, but mm-hmm. I wish that, because the only reason it heads that way is because Ivy takes it in that direction. Sure. So, you know, she and Harley hook up. They're in Ivy's house, and she's hearing Harley's tale of woe, and she's like, we don't need the boys. Come on, let's go show Gotham that girls can play just as dirty or whatever. Yeah. But I almost wish that would, that to me, that would make more sense if at the beginning Joker kicked Harley out because he thought girls couldn't do this. And when Harley ended up with Ivy, Harley repeated that. And said, can you believe it? Mr. J said that girls aren't, but he doesn't appreciate all the things that I do and how, you know, important, you know, how women can do anything that men can do. You would obviously streamline that a lot. And then that's what gets them to go on this girls versus boys thing. Mm -hmm. Because as it stands, there's really no reason to head that way. Well, I can, I could see Harley. I mean, Harley doesn't seem like she's going to come to that conclusion herself. It It seems like. I mean the way the way it plays is that she's just doing it to get one over on Joker, and right. then Ivy comes in, and I think yeah, I think Ivy's motivation there could be a little bit more clear. Um, right. Even if you had a you gave her a grudge with the Joker that made her want to fix Harley to prove a point to Joker. I don't. Would, I don't even know. Too? I don't even know if it has to be that specific. I mean, as as much as. Uh, Ivy recognizes that Harley is in a abusive relationship with the Joker, and it's mm-hmm. it's her being like, "Listen, you don't need this guy. We we can we can do this stuff on our own. We don't need right. you know. I'm my own crime boss. I, I my henchmen work for me. I don't need I don't need men to do my job for me. That kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Did, did she ever have a line in there that said we don't need the boys? Was there ever anything like that from Ivy? I honestly don't remember. It wouldn't surprise me. Because I there almost. Was. I I wish there was, and that's as close as you would be able to go into saying she's a lesbian for a kid show in 1992, I would imagine. But I almost wish that, because you already have them hanging out, not wearing pants, and there's a closeness there. There's nothing, you know, male gazy or overly sexual. But if you had Ivy have one line where she's like, trust me, I've learned that we don't need the boys. That would be really cool for me, you know? Yeah. Like a wink, wink. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is why you're not wearing pants in my house. Yeah, the one line I love when they go into the some boys club 
like the Lions Club or whatever yes. it is, and it's all men. And it's, as Har- Ivy walks in, one of the men is whispering, "Like a woman yeah. here, girls, outrageous." Oh. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely have like a a, a, a kids. A kids' treehouse club response to them showing up, where they're like, "Oh, girls!" No, but they're all like fifty or sixty year old men at some sort yeah. of weird club. Yeah, they should have said the, the line that they would have been saying in real life would be, "Who ordered the strippers?" Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> yes, that that probably would be more accurate, and actually would be a a, a pretty good inversion <laughs> of that too. I guess you know, uh, you could have Harley jump out of the cake like she does in that other episode, except they throw everybody into oh yeah, yeah or something i don't know yeah so i thought the uh animation in this episode was amazing yeah um, I, probably the best of the series especially the car chase shit yes yes and no yes i think the car chase stuff is amazing especially the a lot of the stuff on the joker was really great in that scene mm, yeah. uh his facial expressions great uh his facial expressions and like there was a there's a point where he pulls out that gun and then turns it towards the camera that was really nice you can see the rifling inside yeah. the barrel, too. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, I thought at the end it starts to get a little wonky. Like, when he shows up at Ivy's place, I thought he was a little... He was kind of weirdly off-model. and uh, Yeah, they give him a really long chin. Yeah, and his henchmen are really kind of, like, rubbery. Um, yeah. But well, no one cares about them. Yeah. But <laughs> but overall, yeah, I think I think generally the, the animation was really great. And it's, you know, it's... Yeah. It's another uh, another Paul Dini episode where he writes the most dangerous Joker. Because again, the Joker right. is not a pleasant character in this. He's very, he's only yeah. um, he's only going after her because he wants her back as a possession, and that mm-hmm. he doesn't want uh, uh, he, he doesn't want her being her own person. It's a very right. dark version of the Joker that is uh, yeah. continues what Paul Dini has been doing. Yeah, and he basically tracks her down and robs robs her. Yeah, and is upset when he finds out that sh- sh- that Harley's all over the paper and getting all this attention. Like he just freaks out. It's a uh, ego. His yeah yeah. His ego just can't handle that she's doing something that better than him possibly. Right, right. Um, um speaking, I really like Montoya in this too. I thought it was clever. Uh, to have a, a female cop be the one that captures them, especially at the end, yes. when they're like, "Oh, no man can catch us," and you know, surprise, surprise, it's Montoya that yes. catches them. So I thought it was cool to have a woman in pursuit as well. Yeah, I do too. I wish this was. I wish she had more to do, though. Like I, because yeah. she, it's it. It very much feels like maybe that was the intention that it would be more focused mm-hmm. on Montoya, but then someone was like, you know, the show's called Batman, the animated series, because <laughs> right. um, Batman's involvement here is fairly. Uh, peripheral which is not which isn't mm-hmm. bad it there's actually a really funny piece of trivia on imdb which is a really <laughs> strange thing to pull out um which is uh when the girls throw batman into the toxic pool he is shown to open his mouth underwater considering the circumstances this is an extremely unwise thing to do and would mean panic <laughs> and a loss of control quite uncharacteristic of batman <laughs> Who wrote that? I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't. It sounds like something <laughs> I would write, but I didn't write it. Oh man, I hate when readers are pulling that shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm about to pull that shit right now. Um, okay. So, at at their house, when when Ivy and and, and Harley are hanging out, uh, Ivy serves her dinner, and it's like you know arugula salad and like a beet or something like that, right? <laughs> Shouldn't poison ivy be like explicitly a carnivore? 
shouldn't like a bowl right. of salad be look like a holocaust to her? Yeah, they so later on they do get to that where someone threatens to hurt a plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and she starts freaking out. Like, why would you tear the petals off a flower that planted nothing to you? Mm-hmm. I don't think they came up with the idea of her being a defensive plants until later on. Because in this, she's using plants. She's eating plants. She likes plants. But she's not seeing them as living creatures that she needs to protect per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it gets more clear later on when she... They, you're right. I think if this episode was done later on, she would just be a meat eater. But then again... Cows ate a lot of plants in order for that meat to be produced, so yeah, she can't win. <laughs> well, you know, it's the best way to get revenge on them. Poison She's just Ivy. eating synthetic I, protein powder I, shakes. Let me, I, if I, okay, I'm going to pitch this right now. Poison mm-hmm. Ivy, White Knight spinoff, where Poison Ivy, we learn that her entire motivation is getting revenge on cows for all of the, the death of grass that they've caused over the, the millennia. Okay. So, yeah, so she would breed a new kind of plant that would kill cows, basically. No, I'm stop. just saying it would be her in like a rib eating contest. <laughs> okay. And winning the. Oh, rib so we're going for realism. Oh right. yeah, no, yeah. So it would be Harley Harley helping Ivy train for a ribs eating contest that she does at a uh, <laughs> county fair or something. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to write that or draw that. Actually, I'll do it. <laughs> you want to draw Ivy with barbecue sauce? You know who would make that look good, actually, is Adam Hughes. Yes, yes, yeah. Great cover. Because <laughs> he could make girls look good doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, another piece of animation I thought looked really good was when the Batmobile at the end is, like, zooming out of there through the fire. It go, mm. Okay, I just got cut off in my own brain. Because I was thinking, again, there's so much fire so many no. opportunities to light Batman by fire, and they yep. don't do it anymore. As the fire started, I was I was leaning in towards the TV like, ooh, is Clay going to love this or not? I, and I was so upset they didn't do fire The answer lit Batman. is no, Clay did not love it. <laughs> that should be on the model sheet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When um, Batman goes by fire, his colors change, they should, uh, and it's awesome. I'm, listen, if they do one of those, if they do an alternate paint of one of those new action figures, that's fi- I've said this before, that's fire colored batman i will buy all of them <laughs> oh my god i think you've mentioned this like three episodes in a row now <laughs> yeah so do it do it you cowards if i have any power and play pull it all pull it off man i i promise you will i will give you one. <laughs> oh man please i might yeah i might uh, just you know i might just buy an extra one and custom paint it myself you could do that, man, or just pay someone to do it. Yeah, that's more likely. I'm not going to do that. You could pay our friend Tana. She does all kinds of D and D characters these days, Ooh. like uh, minis. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I'm going to keep that. And she uses the matte painting too, uh, which makes it look even more like animated series oh. style. If that makes oh, sense. I'm sending her an email as soon as we're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the scenes I loved in this is when those two. Bo- the three high school kids pull up next to them at yes, red light. Yes. And they're like, woo, spank, spank, spank. And Harley pulls out a bazooka and blows the shit that out was, of the car. That was actually the scene that I wanted to draw. <laughs> That's, you know what? That was mine too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. It's just so, it's so fun and satisfying. And the shot that they use where they, they're, they're up close in the cars and they're talking and then they pull, pull far back. So you just know, see this shot of her shooting the car in one sh- in one <laughs> shot. They don't cut away. She shoots the car and the car explodes. It's just really, really well done. And what's great is the explosion is so big that it actually blows out the headlights of their car, of her car yeah. as well. Yeah, good detail. But the car is still fine, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so, well, I guess we could just both covered what we would want to draw. Um, yeah. Let me think of a different answer, though. Okay. You already said that one. I thought about Batman in a junkyard or Batman in a toxic waste dump. Mm-hmm. Um, not because that's particularly a fun scene that I would love to revel in, but because it's got to be so easy to draw those backgrounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wasteland. I, that's what I'm. That's I, I've I said it before. That's why I'm doing a World War One book because it's just mud. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Just scribbles and like topi like rendering and noodling and fingerprints and smudges and dry brush. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yes. No talent. I did required. a Hellblazer. Yeah. I uh, I did a Hellblazer book uh, years ago with Jason Aaron. It was just a two parter, and it was these kids um, looking for. Uh, a monster or something this is, in a this is, junkyard. This is actually Jason Aaron this time, right? It is actually <laughs> Jason Aaron, yes. <laughs> yep, you're right. I had to make sure I got it right this time because I don't want to have to. So uh, it was super easy to draw yeah. because I could just draw these, like half of a car, dilapidated car, whatever. I was even putting in like muscle cars in the background, which would never exist in a UK junkyard, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I blew through those pages pretty quick and there was tons of detail in the background, but it was like quick, noodly, very forgiving detail. If you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that stuff is, that stuff's, I've, I actually, you know, I don't love drawing cars. I love drawing car wrecks for some reason. I think because (laughs) you hate cars. Yeah. Well, I, you know, my favorite thing, one of my favorite things in movies is car violence, (laughs) uh, car on car violence. Uh-huh. Uh, and destruction, which is why it bums me out when they use CGI in like the Fast and Furious movies so much now. Right. Um, but I uh, yep. drawing car wrecks and busted up cars, I do find very satisfying. I think that because, is like. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think because <laughs> the structure of the car, which is the thing that gives me the most trouble, is now no longer a factor. <laughs> yeah, you know what you're saying is I don't like drawing people, but I like drawing dead bodies. Yeah, essentially, yes. <laughs> it's basically the same logic. Yeah. I just love drawing a car with its guts splayed out all over the ground. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, I could see that. Why? Why was Harley holed up on a toxic waste plant? Or, um, she's immune to poisons and toxins, so I think it was actually a clever way. It was a clever hideout for her. Oh, okay. honestly, yeah, less obvious than the a hundred and first condemned a laugh factory. That the Joker yeah. was hiding out in. Right. But you're right. I mean, she didn't need to be in a toxic waste dump at all for this plot. Yeah. But it does make the idea of her to- poison toxicity, uh, I don't know what you call it, that, that's never been more clear for her character than it is mm. in this episode. And uh, actually, another piece of trivia that I didn't know is that I guess, um, you know how she gives Harley that like anti-toxin shot or something like that? Right. Later yeah. on, that comes back, and they and they reveal that that actually gave her slight superhuman abilities. Oh shit! Yeah, let me let me pull it up real quick. Ivy injects Harley yeah. with a toxin antidote to allow her to stay on the toxic waste dump. Later, this is found to have also increased Harley's strength and stamina. Stamina. Oh. Because of huh. this, she survived greater falls suffered in the new Batman Adventures episode Mad Love and in Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. Uh, is that? Official canon? That doesn't or is that sound, just people yeah. guessing. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll, if is we get to it, is there a line where she's like, "Thank God I survived this fall, thanks yeah. to her, her Ivy's injections." Yeah, that might just be uh, what the kids call head canon. Um, sure. Yeah. But maybe maybe they do come back to it later, and and she does mention that she's had she's had more strength since she got that shot or something. I don't know. That's that's questionable. Right. Now that I'm looking at it again. 
But, yeah, unless it's in a comic somewhere. I mean, you know, again, sure. if someone knows the answer to this, please put it in our comments or whatever. Sure, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, do you have a rating for this one? Yeah, uh, I'm at a high four. Yeah. But maybe a five is probably more fair. How about you? I am, I'm also a high four. I don't, I don't know if it's a five. Um, if It's very close if it's not. Because uh, yeah. it really, it, it, it does really establish the Joker and, and Harley relationship very solidly and how uh, destructive and negative it is. Um, mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's the first episode that really gives you an idea of who Harley is as a character. It's the Harley and Ivy thing for the first time. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. And the first time we see her without a costume, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, which is interesting because I, I guess in the, the later versions of Harley, she also ends up with dyed skin like the Joker has. Yeah, she's like a, like a slight white or pale blue type skin. Yeah, but in, in, in this original version, I guess it's just makeup. Wait, is that true? Wait a minute. Oh, it's actually dyed later on is what you're saying. Yeah, like I think when they, re- oh. when they redid the new 52 or maybe it was Rebirth or something, I think the modern version of Harley has the same skin color discoloration that the Joker has thanks because of, you know, being dumped into chemicals or something like that. Well, this is the Margot Robbie cheerleader version, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't care about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have any uh, thoughts on the previews that we're seeing for uh, Birds of Prey? Um, I think it looks pretty fun. I'm, you know, it's only, it's only been one preview. Uh, I, I thought she was great in Suicide Squad. Um, Every, I like yeah. everybody else who's in it. I think is really good. Uh, Ewan McGregor is going to chew every piece of scenery he can get his teeth on. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, they have Matoya in it too, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I don't love the first movie. I thought Margot Robbie was great. Yeah, uh, it's not her fault that the script was whatever. Um, I think this one has a, the chance to actually be pretty good. Yeah, I, um, the the thing that I'm wondering is. It seems to be so closely tied. Like it, it, it seems to be about her working through her issues with the Joker to some extent, right? But for from all I've seen of it, the Joker's not actually in it. So right. that seems. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I guess you can you can do it because they they just yeah. made a Joker movie without Batman and they made a Venom movie without Spider Man. But right, and yeah. So the Joker movie, which just came out like three weeks ago, which is setting records for dc mm-hmm. um i'm curious to see what the aftermath will be for dc now yeah. that they've figured out hey there's a new type of movie we can do that's cheaper less cgi more grounded uh not a t- an obvious tent pole like you might think mm-hmm. but hell it, for what we invested it made a shit ton of money so maybe we should start doing with joker to we should start doing that all these other characters will be do with joker and then i'm also curious to see how they're gonna fuck that up yeah I think it gets tough because that doesn't seem like it works that well outside of the Batman universe because everything else, like, you can't do a stripped-down, gritty version of Green Lantern. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Or even, I mean, maybe you could with Superman, but uh, yeah, it doesn't. it's not going to feel the same or have the... I, yeah. I think what is going to happen, though is they're going to drive a dump truck full of money up to Joaquin Phoenix's house to get him yep. into that Batman movie. Yeah. Which... Or sure. at least a Joker sequel. Yes. Yeah. 
whether or not because I can imagine the meetings that are happening now are like okay we need to do a sequel how do we get Joaquin to do it we need to do the same type of thing but we also want Batman now and they're going to try to gunk it up they're they're going to do things that are seemingly obvious but it might hurt what made Joker successful yeah that makes sense and I know there's a timeline issue because like he's obviously in his 40s when apparently the Waynes are killed and whatnot uh I could see them doing something because that movie is all unreliable narrator anyway I could see them fudging it being like oh well you know that was all that idea was in his head he's actually that was him daydreaming yeah. about about bat yeah. about being the cause of Batman's parents getting killed or something, you know. Which would suck because having those answer uh, questions unanswered is what makes the script so compelling. Right. Is yeah. Different viewers can walk away with different experiences. Yeah. The thi- the thing one one of the things that actually really got me about that movie was at the end when it, I thought for a minute. In this universe, is it possible that the Waynes being killed is just a fantasy that he has? And, like, Batman isn't... Oh, man. It, it, it doesn't have anything to do with Batman at all. It's just he has this fantasy about Thomas Wayne and his wife getting gunned down. That's that's amazing. Yeah. It could go either way, yeah. depending on what they're going to do next. Right. I've had people writing, asking if do you think they're going to do White Knight with Joaquin Phoenix next? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I would love that. (laughs) What do I sign? Yeah. uh, I think, honestly, I think that's another way they could go too, is I think if I, I think getting him back to play that character might be more important than whether or not it's a direct sequel to the movie. You know what I mean? So like I could see them trying to get him to play. All right. Now you're going to play main continuity Joker. You're not going to have the different mm-hmm. face paint. You're going to be Joker classic. But just do right. what you did in your movie, but just do it in this Batman movie now. Yeah, and it seems like Joaquin would say, mm, nah. Yeah, I have a feeling <laughs> that he wouldn't be wouldn't be down for that. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't even know how Joker got made. I mean, I I I can't believe it slid through, honestly, mm. because it's it doesn't seem like the suits had any say over it at all. It feels like... It was just made with a handful of creators who knew what they were doing, and it doesn't have studio interference written all over it. Right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And he's Joker's a very valuable character, and especially with where DC has been in the last few years with all these hits and misses with these movies. I'm just stunned this came out. You know, I, I think it's a great idea, but I just feel like this is a Joker movie that we don't deserve. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, and again, I, I think it's great. It's it's just Taxi Driver. Like, it's not a new movie, mm-hmm. really. But the brilliance is it's Taxi Driver, but with the Joker. That's that's what makes it a slam dunk right. for me. You know? Yeah. Um, have you seen King of Comedy? Uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, I I love King of Comedy. And when I saw that, when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, "This is King of Comedy," but the guy in King of Comedy turns out to be the Joker instead of just some yeah. schmuck. And I was like, "Oh, that's oh, that's so good. Yeah. That's such a good idea." Yeah. It is. No, the Joker movie just reminded us what filmmaking was in the 70s. Yeah. It just reminded us, like, oh, yeah, remember how good Tax Driver was? Oh, yeah, remember how good King of Comedy? Well, hey, let's just do like, which It's not a new idea, yeah, but it's ballsy. Which I think you can say is a negative, depending on what side of that fence you're on, because it's like right. they, they took two of the best anti-hero movies ever made and slapped Joker paint on it, and, and so you're watching it going like, man, Taxi Driver's great. Man, King of Comedy is great. What is this movie I'm watching? Huh. The Joker? Okay, yeah. yeah. But those other two <laughs> movies, they're great. Um, 
so yeah, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I I I really I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was very well maybe, done. Maybe um maybe this is what made Martin Scorsese whoever uh no it wasn't him it was the Godfather guy uh, attack superhero movies a few weeks ago. Oh no, it was Scorsese too. Yeah, both of them. Oh okay, yeah. him too. Maybe because they stole his movies yeah, to make maybe. this Joker movie is what <laughs> lit a fire under his ass. Yeah. Well, you know what was you know you said how did this get made and whatnot. Uh, before this came out, like before, when the, when it got announced, there was the, I think there was like two mo- Joker movies in the works at the same time. There was mm-hmm. this one, which sounded like it was completely never going to happen, which because it, it was like oh, Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by the guy that did The Hangover, uh, executive produced by Martin Scorsese, <laughs> and, and co-starring Robert De Niro. And it's like no, that's not a real thing. That's never going to happen. And the other right. one, I think, was they were talking about a Jared Leto Joker movie, which seemed a lot more likely. Um, and this one just managed to make it down the pipe. Uh, and I think, yeah, right. I think it's, I think it was just a sleeper where it, nobody was messing so, with it because it was so cheap. This was uh, produced by Scorsese. I don't th- no, I don't think so. But that was like one of the, the oh. early rumors was that's what it was going to be. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, that's pretty weird if he produced it and then shot all over it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just. I think that was. That rumor was a game of telephone because you know people were saying, right. "Oh, it seems like it's like Taxi Driver or something like that." Yeah, I think. Uh, um, uh, shit, what's his name from um, Star Is Born? Bradley Cooper produced. It was one of the producers on this. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, I think I caught that at the credits at the end. Huh. He would be a good Joker. He's got. He's got the. Yeah, he's I got the nose that, to play the, the same thought. <laughs> but yeah, no, my, my deep my fantasy. Of course, they're gonna skip all the amazing Joker stories in the last 30 years and just go straight to mine. But that's just such a <laughs> long shot. I mean, I'm not even done with mine yet, so I don't know. I mean, I secretly hope that they would get around to it, to at least an animated movie within 10 or 20 years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because they do seem to go through the catalog and be like, all right, what haven't we done? We need Joker. You know, mm, White Knight. As much you know? as I would love to see that, obviously. Because I think you're right. I think they the the stuff they're making cartoons of movies of is getting more and more current. Yeah, I can't believe that they haven't done Nightfall yet. Mm-hmm. Like, why uh, they've done Death of Superman? Why haven't they done Bane breaks Batman's back yeah. and Azrael and all that kind of stuff? It I just it seems like a slam dunk. It's just I know, man. I don't know why. Well, Azrael's not a big deal like I thought he was. We were talking about that last time, weren't we? Yeah, but I mean, like, is anybody from the death of Superman a big deal? Like, you got the four other Supermen that, you yeah, know, that's true. whatever. Doomsday. Doomsday, and all that. sure. Because one of my biggest surprises with um, Curse is I, I was worried people were going to get mad that I made Azrael fat. Well, he starts off bigger, like a linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's still in shape, but he's still. And um, instead, I got met with, who's Azrael? <laughs> so. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I thought Azrael was as memorable to my readers as he was to me in the 90s. Like, even if you didn't read the book, you knew the look, the fire, the orange, the red. And he is just not a fan favorite like I thought he was. Maybe he is now if people like what I'm doing with him. But, yeah, maybe that's what kept them away from... But, I mean, Batman almost dies. Like, that's all you need as far as making a movie that's interesting. Right. Like, who cares if no one knows who Azrael is? They'll know who he is by the end of the, the cartoon. Right, you know? right, yeah. I mean, nobody knew who Azrael was when they made the comic, so who, who gives a yeah, shit? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, obviously that would be really cool. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, I think we're I mean we're we're done with season two of Batman mm-hmm. the animated series. I think we're going to do a question and answer episode like we did with Phantasm because I know you wanted to talk about Curse of the White Knight, so I figured we'll take yep. take some time off, then we'll come back with a Q and A, and and uh, we can talk about Curse of the White Knight if that uh, if that works for you. Yep, I would love to, man. I'm having a lot of thoughts. I'd like to get them down. I actually forget how I came up with the story. Um, and I know you and I were on a plane to Scotland mm-hmm. when you, I told you what I had and you helped me kind of comb through mm-hmm. it. But I don't remember how the, why I started writing Curse the way I did, honestly. So I was hoping maybe you'd remember. <laughs> I, uh, from what I remember, the idea started, I mean, obviously we don't need to get into this now, but uh, it, it started with you telling me you wanted to do Batman Castlevania. Yes. And yep. then it sort of went in a bunch of different directions from there. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I had too. So okay, yeah, I'm not crazy. But uh, but yeah. So if you want to, uh, if you want to send us some questions that we can talk about while we're talking about uh, Curse of the White Knight, you can send some to our email address, which is batasspodcast at gmail dot com. B a t t a s s podcast at gmail dot com, or on Twitter, our Twitter account is at batasspodcast. That's at b a t t a s s podcast. And uh, send your questions with the hashtag, oh, I don't know, uh, Um, badass, I guess. (laughs) Make it it easy for everybody. (laughs) Yep. Good job, Clay. Yeah. That's why they they pay me the big bucks to do these podcasts. Yeah. So hashtag badass, hashtag B-A-T-T-A-S-S, so we can, you know, find them easily. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I think that's going to do it. Uh, Great. Yeah. Get anything else you want to say before we go? No, man. I'm excited to uh, to take questions and to talk about Curse. Yeah, uh, it's a halfway point. I like I said, I have a lot of thoughts, and uh, I, you know, I'm always happy to remind people that you helped, you know, edit a lot of my ideas before DC even got them. So, you know, oh, thanks. It'll be cool to talk about that. Yeah, that uh, yeah, it's always fun to to kind of break this stuff down and look at it from after it's come out and stuff. I'm just happy yeah. to be a part of you're, it. You're never like reading the reviews just like I am, which I think is interesting. <laughs> and seeing what hits and what misses. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how see what's happening <laughs> and how it's being received. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, we've done two seasons of this so far, and hopefully people are enjoying it because you know, I'm having a good time doing it. I'm hoping you're having a good time. I love it, man. I, I play our episodes back-to-back when I'm working just because it takes me out of my own head. Even though I'm listening to myself, it's, <laughs> well, that's it's, just narcissistic as hell. Sure. Yeah, it's just narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when you're not around to hang out, I can just hit play and I can hear your voice. And you know, just, have I have I mentioned me. that I have a friend who has said that to me in the past? <laughs> what? Yeah, he, uh, he's like uh, his his uh, his wife is uh, will tell me she. Uh, he's like, yeah, I was talking to Clay about this the other day, and she goes, "Honey, that was a podcast." You weren't actually talking to Clay. He's like, what? <laughs> well, you do have a soothing voice. Oh, thanks. Uh, so I was going to, I was just thinking, because sometimes when Colleen, my wife's out of town, I'll fall asleep to Bob Ross, mm-hmm. The Joy of Painting, because he has a very soothing oh, voice. Yeah. And I just had this idea. What if you recorded the voiceover of you talking, like you would just watch Bob Ross on mute and you talk like you think he would talk in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> just improv the whole thing. I could do uh I could do um Bob Ross style uh readings of comic books or something. Maybe I'll do that for the for our Patreon if we get over a certain a certain yeah. number then I'll start talking at Yeah. Nightf- right. Nightfall. I keep getting me the Patreon. Nightfall written by 
whoever Chuck Dixon and Dan O'Neill. <laughs> Chapter one, Azrael, like that, like that kind of thing. You know, I actually, I uh, um, yeah. You know, I you've you've mentioned how uh, uh, you you like to listen to uh, Star Trek and stuff, and I also like to when I can't sleep, I like to fall asleep to Star Trek. I think I, I mentioned yep. this on the Star Trek show. I would yeah. love a YouTube compilation of John Luke Picard's dialogue, but not his like yelling dialogue, just his regular mm. middle of the road dialogue, because yeah. that's like the sweet spot, I think. Right when he's being the philosopher captain, none of the uh, the line is drawn no, here. Nothing no. that's going to wake me up. No, I'm talking like like ready room scenes exclusively. Oh, okay, where they're talking yeah. about like. Uh, uh, Something that's come through the 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 cluster of ne- the nebula cluster, and they have to figure out what right. they're going to do. That stuff where he's just calmly talking. Okay. I I I once actually downloaded the audiobook of him reading a Christmas Carol because I thought uh-huh. that's what was go- that was going to write hit that mark, <laughs> but it's too well acted. He's too. <laughs> oh, it's very animated. Yeah, it's okay. very animated. Yeah. So it wasn't. It wasn't. Damn the, it, Patrick! It wasn't the energy I was looking for, unfortunately. I need calm, Patrick. Yes. He's a very um, blustery, voicious. Because he does a lot. I mean, there was a show where he was playing a, a gay news anchor, and uh, it was great. And yeah, like I, I try to when I think of him, I think of a calm British voice. But yeah. I don't think he's done a lot of calm British acting. I want outside of Professor X. Yeah, I want I want two hours of the energy that he brings to that extra scene where he's like, uh, so I look, yeah. I look into the mirror, <laughs> and I see that their clothes have fallen off because they've been in jail so long. Two of them are. Two of them are kissing. One of them's clothes have fallen off. Yes. I can see everything. I've, I've seen everything with Ricky Gervais. And I ride. And I ride away on the grass. On the grass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when I um, come down to oh, one more bit, yeah, uh, okay. when I go down to Clay's to Boston to record live, usually you know we'll get drunk and dinner and whatever. So uh, Clay's more of a night hawk than I am, so I usually get tired by midnight. So I'm falling asleep on his couch, and when he's Back when he, you go into your bedroom with Caitlin, and I think that it's quiet enough, I'll start playing Star Trek on my phone. Mm-hmm. But I turn it down so you don't hear me listening to it because <laughs> I just don't know what you would think of me. <laughs> I mean, but you then you'll like come out of your room to go to the bathroom, and you'll hear like Data talking from the couch. Mm-hmm. And you must be like, <laughs> no, wondering what the fuck's going. No, on. No, I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And you're like, hey, dude, turn it up. I want to fall asleep to that, yeah, too. pretty much. What, what episode are you watching? <laughs> Let me listen to it as well so we can talk about it in the dream that we share. <laughs> and we, you can have yours like two seconds delayed so there's like an awesome echo happening oh, that, the whole time. That would, no, that would not help anybody <laughs> sleep. <laughs> the line, line, is drawn, drawn, here, here. Yeah, that would, no. I think, I think Caitlin would murder both of us if that was the case. <laughs> Anyway, that's going to do it. On that note, yeah. thanks, Clay. I appreciate it. This is a good season, and um, thank you for all your hard work putting these together. Like, I have to do very minimal compared to all the shit you have to do, so thank you. Oh, no problem. Thanks for, thanks for coming on and talking about it, because it's, it's, uh, it's fun to talk about silly things. Uh, and people enjoy yeah. listening to it, I guess. So. Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be back in a few weeks or so with uh, an episode about Curse of the White Knight. Send us your questions to email and Twitter, hashtag badass. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Let me die!